to the Song of Solomon. I'll give you a little bit of time because sometimes that's a hard book to find, but it's right after Ecclesiastes, if you can find it. So wonderful uh, depiction of the kind of love that should be between a man and his wife. And it's a great allegory of the love and relationship that exists between Christ and his church. And there's just a, a verse here that I want, a phrase from the first chapter as kind of a springboard into the subject that's on my heart this morning. When we began this new year, I told you one of the New Year's resolutions that I had was to try to become a better follower of the Lord Jesus Christ and to be a better servant to those that God had called me to lead. And really, a lot of it just came out of a desire to want to be a better, a better leader, a better father, a better husband, a better, a better pastor, a better evangelist, whatever areas in life that God has called you or I to lead in. Everybody is leading somebody. You're, you're leading yourself. You're leading your family. You're leading those around you. And uh, so just throughout this year, I want to bring several messages, a series of messages about leadership and about following the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that Jesus Christ truly changed the world with just two words when he said, follow me. He changed the world. I know he changed my life when he called me and, and told me that he wanted me to be one of his followers. That changed my life, and I've been trying to follow him ever since. And I pray that everyone that is underneath the sound of my voice will know the joys of truly following the Lord Jesus Christ and surrendering all of your heart and your life uh, to him. And I encourage you in that. The title of the message this morning is Leading Yourself, Leading Yourself. I think this is very important because how will you ever be able to get the best out of others if you can't first get the best out of yourself? Before we uh, ever are able to really lead others in the Lord, we need to be able to, by God's grace, lead ourselves also as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And one of the people that we're going to look at in the Old Testament is the character of Joseph and why Joseph was such a great leader and the things that God brought him through in his life to uh, develop him into one that uh, Jacob would say at the end of his days when he was blessing his sons, he said, this is the shepherd and the stone of Israel. Man, wouldn't you like that? Oh, to be said uh, at, at your graveside, this was a shepherd, a stone of our family. This man, this man, this woman was a rock that others could, could lean on, could find strength in. Of course, all of that comes, if we're able to be that, comes from the grace of God. It, it, we're not talking about self-help. We're not talking about uh, just some strength that we find within ourselves, but in leading myself, it's, it's, it's really about what we talked about, about becoming a better follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so just want to look here in the Song of Solomon. This is going to be our springboard this morning. Chapter 1, verse 6. Look not upon me because 
I am black. Because the sun hath looked upon me, my mother's children were angry with me. And this is the thought that, that I want. They made me the keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard have I not kept. This is what can happen so much in our lives. We can get so busy in our work, in our occupation, in the different uh, roles that we have in life. All these vineyards that God has given under our care, but our own hearts, our own souls, the, the leadership of our own hearts, sometimes that's the thing that we neglect. And I want us to remember that the greatest business, the first great business of every man, woman, child, soul in here is the sanctification of your own soul. Make sure that you're keeping your own vineyard and then uh, go out into the field, right? The Bible says that in another place about making sure that your own field is taken care of before you would try to go out and help in other people's fields. Take the, take the uh, beans out of your own eyes, right, before you try to get the moat out of other people's eyes. So he, this, the writer here says, I was made the keeper of the vineyards. I was a leader. He said, but the thing that I neglected the most was my own vineyard I, I didn't keep. It's kind of a contradiction there, right? So what is the state of your vineyard this morning? What is the state of your heart? Of How is your following of the Lord Jesus Christ personally for you in your own life? That's the challenge for us this morning. One person said one time, the greatest challenge of every leader is leading me. Uh, John Maxwell said this, most of your greatest failures are a result of personal leadership mismanagement. Sometimes uh, people's friends will lead them astray or, or a philosophy uh, might lead them astray, but a lot of that uh, would happen and damage done in the life because of a neglect of what I'm talking about this morning of personal leadership in your own life. A person said this one time, I thought it was funny, uh, just because I thought about how much it applied to me. He said, if I could kick the person responsible for my problems, I wouldn't be able to sit down for a week. <laughs> and, and I think that that's so true if we really are honest about, you know, ourselves and, and, and our lives. And this is so important. And I think that before we, we dive into uh, the life of Joseph, I just want to look especially just at the God-man himself, our leader, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He was very careful to do this himself. We find that oftentimes he would go and, and get alone with God. And beloved, always remember that when you spend time alone with God, you're never alone, right? Time alone with God is time well spent. You're not just alone. You're spending it with God. But, but what I mean by that is that there were times, even though he was 100% God and 100% man, Jesus needed times to recharge as a man. Jesus needed times to deal with the stress of life and of ministry. Uh, Jesus 
needed moments to be with God, to lead himself before he would lead the church and lead others, to make big decisions that he had to make in his ministry, in his life. And this is a great example uh, for us that we need to learn how to lead ourselves. Let's just look into the heart and the life of the Lord Jesus Christ for just a little bit for his great example uh, to us in the book of Matthew chapter 14. We read that, I think this is where uh, maybe he had heard that John the Baptist had been, been slain. I believe that this is the case here. In uh, Matthew chapter 14, uh, you know, Jesus was an admirer of John the Baptist. He even submitted to his baptism. He walked all the way from where he was to come to the muddy Jordan. And uh, John, recognizing him through the illumination of the Holy Spirit, John had known Jesus all of his life, but Remember this time he said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And he knew that and he had recognized that Jesus had come to submit to baptism. And y'all remember what John said, Lord Jesus, I need you to baptize me. And truly, that was, that was truly the case. But Jesus said, No, I'm setting an example. I'm fulfilling. I'm suffering to be known so I can fulfill all righteousness. I'm going to set an example that what I'm going to call and instruct others to do, I'm, I'm going to do as well. And so remember what he said about John the Baptist too? Isn't this amazing? I mean, there's a, been a lot of great men in the world, amazing men. And you want to know the place that John the Baptist had in Jesus' heart? He said, of men born among women. Think about this. Now, this is Jesus saying this. There is none greater that has been born and John the Baptist. And that's powerful, isn't it? To think about the, the way that, that he felt about John. And, and so this, no doubt, had to really affect the Lord Jesus Christ, just like when Lazarus died. Uh, and Jesus, even though he knew he could raise him from the dead, even though he knew he was the resurrection and the life, when he came to the, the, the tomb and he saw the people uh, weeping, what did Jesus do? Jesus wept as, as well, right? Oh, we love to see his deity. We love to see his humanity as well, his kinship to us. But just look at this in uh, the book of Matthew chapter 14, uh, beginning in verse 12. And his disciples came and took up the body. That's the body of John the Baptist. Remember, he was beheaded and buried it. And they went and told Jesus. When Jesus heard of it, heard of what? The death of his friend. The death of someone that, that he admired, that he held in, in high esteem. It says, he departed thence by ship into a desert place. And what is that little word there? Apart, right? Apart. And then when the people heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the city. It was hard for Jesus to get alone, wasn't it? It's hard for him to find time to spend by himself. I know if you are a person that lives in, in the busy world that we live in, I've often heard a good acronym for busy is being under Satan's yoke. And uh, I feel the truth of that a lot. 
Uh, but we know how challenging it is to make the time, to set apart the time, to have that secret life with God. We're talking about wanting revival in our lives and our hearts. That's where it comes, is in that, that secret place of devotion and, and time alone with God. And I, and I love in the Lord Jesus Christ that here he needed time to grieve. He needed time to mourn for his friend for one he admired, for one he loved, for John the Baptist, that he was no longer going to be involved in the earthly ministry and the, and the life of uh, the nation that they loved. And this, Jesus heard that, and he took that time to go and, and to be by himself. No doubt, I believe, uh, to grieve, but also that he knew now that it had fallen to him. Uh, to be the, the uh, person at the top uh, to lead the people of God in his generation. And he had big decisions to make. Have you ever had a uh, time where you need to make big decisions in your life? Well, I'm going to encourage you, when those times come in your life, spend a lot of time with God. Lead, lead yourself in prayer. Lead yourself in uh, in that wonderful, what we read this morning from Psalm 91, when you call upon me, I'm, I promise that I'm going to answer you. What a wonderful uh, blessing that that is for us. Uh, let's look at another place in the Gospel of Luke. We'll go to Luke 5 first. There's, and like I, I'm just hitting a couple of highlights of these in the life of Jesus. There's so many more. This is, this is another uh, good one here. In Matthew chapter 5, yeah, yes, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 5. Let me get, let me get Luke uh, 6, 12 first, Luke 6, 12. <clears throat> and we'll, we'll just start at verse uh, 10. And looking around upon them all, he said unto the man, the man with the withered hand, stretch forth thy hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored, whole as the other. And the people there, it says that they were filled with madness and communed one with another what they might do to Jesus. Huh, because he had healed somebody, right? Yeah. But it says, and it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray. And listen to this. And continued all night in prayer to God. And then it was after that he comes down and he chooses the 12 out to uh, be a special group of followers, of disciples to him. He's leading himself that he might lead others. That's powerful, beautiful there. And uh, I thought I, there was another one in Luke 5, but I think I might have wrote the reference down right. I thought it was Luke 5 and 6, but oh no, it's 16. It's 16. Uh, we'll start at verse 15. But so much the more went there a fame abroad of him, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. Look at verse 16. And he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. I remember uh, it was always uh, precious to me uh, knowing and being under the ministry of Brother Mike Strevel. He, uh, along with Uncle Jerry, performed the wedding 
ceremony for Regina and I. He was a precious, precious brother in the Lord. Can I get an amen? He was a precious brother in the Lord. And I'll never forget, and Regina can back me up this, anytime Brother Mike had a big decision to make, he always went up to Camp Moriah and stayed the weekend uh, by himself. And he would, he would pray and he would meditate. And I always just really appreciated that example in his life. And I'm sure that he, he got that from seeing that in the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you, it, whether it's, you, know, you need to deal with stress, you need to make big decisions, you need to recharge your soul and your life. I know it was just real sweet. Even we were just able to take a short vacation, just Regina and I and the girls. And it was so wonderful just to have some time, just to, to be together uh, and, and to enjoy some time together. But even more importantly is this that we're talking about, about leading ourselves to be the keepers of our own vineyards. Beloved, uh, there's little foxes that will spoil the grapes. Uh, there are breaches that we need to look often that get in uh, to our souls and into our lives. And it's very important for us to, to spend that time alone with God, leading ourselves so that then we might also be able to encourage others to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's look just for a little while, it's not going to be a long message today, about how that Joseph ended up being such a great leader. He kind of had an auspicious start for sure, but we want to go to the end and see again, I've already mentioned it, but what Jacob said about him uh, as Jacob was about to pass off the scene. And I just want you to think about the kind of leader maybe that you are trying to be in your life, maybe that you want to be, especially you young men uh, that are under the sound of my voice that are just beginning as husbands or will begin uh, as fathers, and, and you're in that place. This is going to be uh, so important uh, because people are going to look to you, and you're not going to be able to fake this off. Uh, people are going to be able to see if it's authentic and, it, and it's real in you. And if it is, it's going to be powerful. But if, if you're a facade, if, if you're a fake, if you're a leader that says, uh, don't do as I do, do as I say, then uh, you're not uh, going to have much impact except in a negative way in people's lives. But I'm so thrilled that as I look around this room today, I see people who have led. They have led themselves and that God also has, has used uh, to lead others. But I know that if you're like me, it's something that I feel like that I constantly am needing to improve on uh, in, in, in my life. And so I hope that this will do that for you through the Spirit of God this morning. So in the book of Genesis, uh, Jacob is, remember how I said about Jacob, about how he leaned on his staff, right? Even in his old age, remember he limped the rest of his life because he had wrestled with the Lord for those blessings and he limped the rest of his life. But here, even uh, in his old age, he's leaning upon his staff and he's blessing Israel. What a great example, even for older people, that you think, well, I've come to the end of my days, uh, 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 Brother Nathan, I'm not leading anybody anymore. Do you know you're still leading yourself? 
you're still leading yourself. And God uh, can use older people in, in powerful, incredible uh, ways. I, I just encourage all of you older people and myself, as we burn out, let us burn out for God. Amen. All right, here it is. He's saying all these different things about his children, and he comes to Joseph, Genesis 49, beginning in verse 22. Wouldn't it be wonderful if this could be said about us as an epitaph over our lives and our leadership? Joseph is a fruitful bow, even a fruitful bow by a well whose branches run over the wall okay so it's it's an idea of a person that's been evidently greatly blessed he's talking about the fruitfulness of his life how god uh, has used his talents how god has uh, uh blessed him even uh, naturally uh with with family or material things joseph was a fruitful bow now there were different times in joseph's life where we could have, have looked at his life and said, man, that don't seem like that that's going to be true about Joseph, right? What about when Joseph was hid down in that pit? His brother said, let's kill him. And then one said, no, let's make some money off of him, right? And he gets sold to these Midianite slavers, right? Uh, doesn't look there at that instance like this is going to be true of Joseph, but we are the benefits of knowing the story of his whole life, right? And so Joseph is a fruitful bow. Jacob is looking at this. Remember how uh, even Jacob grieved for Joseph? The boys brought back that deceitful uh, clothing with the blood on it and how Jacob grieved, but then how he rejoiced when he realized that he was still alive and what a, what a reunion that they had and, and how wonderful it was for Jacob. You know, that's what you want for your children. And that's what you pray for your children is that God will bless them to follow Him and that they will use their lives to honor God and to be a blessing to all the kingdom of God, to be pillars in the house of God, to be people who love Christ and follow Him with all their heart. And that God makes all that fruitful in their life, even though they go through tough times. Uh, Joseph's life wasn't always easy, and Jacob acknowledges that. He says, the archers have sorely grieved him. It's the idea that people were always taking shots at Joseph. Now, anybody in here that's been a leader, you felt those shots. You felt those body blows. That's part of being a leader. You have to be willing to bear some of that and go through some of that and joseph did they sorely grieved him and shot at him and hated him now these weren't just arch enemies out there that weren't close to joseph right but no my own familiar friend his own brothers uh, treated him so terribly right no doubt as the boys are standing around, they even knew, oh, daddy's, daddy's taking some shots at us. He's talking about us. We did shoot at Joseph, and others did as well. Potiphar's wife, right? The baker and butcher who forgot about him after 
He, he blessed them with interpreting their dreams. But listen to what it says here. But his bow abode in strength. And the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From thence is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. Hallelujah. What an epitaph. What a, a word of blessing to be said over someone. What he's, he's passing the mantle of leadership, right? You had Abraham. You had Isaac. You had Jacob. And then who? Joseph. And Joseph is going to be used by God to be a savior, a shepherd, a stone for the whole family of God at that time. And God used him that way in his life. Now just quickly, let's let's look at how things transpired with Joseph and the things that God used in his life to make him a great leader. Well, number one, if you're taking notes, Joseph had to learn how to follow. Let me tell you, nobody will be a good leader unless first they have learned what it is to be a good follower. Leaders who have never followed well or submitted to authority, this is what they tend to be. They tend to be prideful. They tend to be unrealistic. They tend to be very rigid. And they lord their position and power over others. And they make everybody else around them miserable. And part of the reason that their leadership fails so much in the lives of others is because they never really tr learn truly how to be a good follower. Because if you know what it takes to be a good follower, and you have been a good follower, then you can appreciate it when you're in leadership and you're asking other people to follow you. You can sympathize and empathize in their positions. But this is something that we have to learn. And Joseph especially had to learn this. Now, I feel for Joseph because Joseph, not only was he a, a mama's boy, he was a daddy's boy as well, wasn't he? And, uh, you know, my siblings have always uh, chided me or made fun of me about being the favorite. I've never thought that I was a favorite in, in our family. I have been greatly loved by both my parents, but I've never thought myself to be that. But you remember that because of that double marriage, that Jacob had, which was a big mistake in his life, and not all of that was even his fault, but there was some definitely some personal mismanagement that had been going on in the life of Jacob. It took him a while to get things uh, right, um, and we see him finally leaving his family, right? Remember when he comes to Bethel, and he tells them, uh, give me those earrings, give me all your uh, false idols, and wash yourselves, put on clothes. We're going up to the house of God, to Bethel. And he took those things and he buried those things and he led, he finally started getting it right uh, with God in his life. Isn't it wonderful that, that we have uh, nobody leads perfectly except the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I've made mistakes as a husband. I've made mistakes as a pastor. I've made, I probably will make more. Hallelujah, though, that there is forgiveness with the, with the Lord there. You can repent, you can Try and, and, and do better. And God sometimes doesn't give us do-overs in certain things, but he always gives us do-betters. And I'm so thankful 
for that. But here in Genesis 37, you remember he had gotten the coat of many colors, and uh, that didn't help things uh, between him uh, and his brothers. And then he, he uh, gets these dreams, right? And these dreams are amazing dreams. And he's going to be affected by dreams uh, all of his life. And so, but he was foolish in the way that he presented these dreams. And, and I believe that, that uh, he got lifted up in pride about how that he saw God's promise of blessing his life. And so, you know, we never should just assume uh, leadership without first learning how to follow. But let's just look at this. You know, we can see this in someone that was so young and in his position. Uh, Genesis 37, verse 9, And he dreamed yet another dream, and told it his brethren, right? Uh, he's just like a little tattletale, just run. You know, he's got to tell everything. He's always got to be the center of attention, right? And behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obedience to me. Man! And he told his father and his brethren, and his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I, thy mother, and thy brethren, thee come to bow down ourselves to thee, uh, to the earth? And his brethren envied him, and, but his father observed the saying. Now, the thing about it is, is that this dream actually played out in reality in all of their lives. But what I'm just saying is, especially when, when you're young, uh, to be very careful to not act in such a way that it uh, hinders your ability to lead others through, through pride in your gifts or maybe the wisdom or the talents uh, that you had that don't uh, create not unnecessary envy uh, among people even that are your own age. But... Learn how to follow. Come from a place of, of humility. And we see that God is going to bring Joseph through this because he didn't stay in that high position very long, did he? I wonder how, what Joseph thought about those dreams when he was in that pit that night and heard he was going to be sold. I wonder how he felt about those dreams when he ended up in Potiphar's house as a slave. I wonder how he felt about those dreams. When he was, after he had done what was right and ended up, you know, in prison, he probably thought, "Fooey on these dreams, right?" No, he was in God's school, wasn't he? And we see in uh, chapter thirty-nine that Joseph learned how to be a follower. He learned how to be humble and useful, even in a low position. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar. An officer of Pharaoh, this is Genesis 39, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was prosperous. He was a prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now, this had to be pretty humbling for Joseph. This one for whom the moon and stars are going to bow down before, right? And here his master is an idolater uh, an infidel and he's he's been rejected 
and, and is away from all of his family. And, and he's nobody's favorite. But he, is God, he learns to be God's favorite, doesn't he? And the master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him. Where did Joseph learn how to become a servant and a follower, right? But also in this same position, he learned how to lead, didn't he? Because he, this is going to happen to Joseph several times. He made him overseer over his house, and all that he had he put into his hand and so on and so forth. You, y'all know the story. This happened to him uh, in Potiphar's house. This happened to him in the prison. Too, right, And then it finally happened to him. He was made second in the command over all of Egypt. But first, this great leader, this stone of Israel, this shepherd of Israel had to learn how to be a good follower. He had to learn how to be a good servant. And I think that that's so important. Isn't that what Jesus said? Look, he said, y'all are going to be different than uh, the leaders of this world. I'm remembering this in Matthew chapter 20 when Jesus was talking to them really about, about leadership and about following him. Just turn with me quickly and we'll go back to the story of Joseph. And I especially want you to just be thinking about your own life as well. Am, are you learning how to follow? Are you trying to be the best follower that you can be? And the, the better follower that you can learn how to be, the better leader also that you and I will become. And so Jesus says this in Matthew 20. He said, uh, uh, remember, uh, I think this is where uh, the mother comes and she says, I want you to grant my sons. And when you come into your kingdom, I want you to grant my high place, right? Uh, put one on your right hand, Lord, and one on your left. And Jesus just shook his head, right? He said, boy, but you, you don't know what you're asking. Can they drink my cup? Can they be baptized with the baptism that, that I'm baptized with? Right? He said, Jesus even said, these, these things are not even mine to give. And verse 24, and when the ten heard it, they were moved with indignation against the two brethren. And Jesus called them unto him. And listen to what he said. Ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are in great exercise authority upon them. It's kind of like Moses was, right? Uh, At the beginning of his life, he was a somebody. You know, he had just had authority because of the position that he had in Pharaoh's house. But Jesus said, It shall not be so among you, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister, and whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Now listen to this. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. So learn how to follow. Secondly, he developed self-discipline. He developed self-discipline. This is a hallmark of a great leader and of leading yourself to learn how to be self-disciplined see the foolish they want to conquer the world you know who the wise want to conquer themselves 
I remember the movie. I love the movie Amazing Grace. If you've never seen it, it's so good. And uh, I believe it's um, William Pitt is having a conversation. He's going to uh, become the youngest prime minister ever uh, in the nation of, of England. And he, he and William, William Wilberforce were friends in the house of the Lord. And uh, he, he says, I'm fixing to become prime minister. And he said, I need you in my cabinet. He says, William, we could change the world. And William looks at him and said, before I would change the world, I would change myself. The foolish want to conquer the world. The wise want to conquer themselves. How, how do I do this? Well, then how can I develop self-discipline in my life? Three things here I want you to, to write down to make an attempt at in your life. Make consistent good decisions. That's what Joseph did. You look through his life. He was tempted several times to not make good decisions, but he made consistent good decisions. That is a hallmark of someone that has self-discipline, whether it comes to their personal conduct, whether it comes to their job, their money, their life in the church. They make consistent good decisions. We'll look at that a little bit, Joseph, but I think y'all know what I'm talking about even. And then, secondly, don't say regretful things. Oh, that's a toe stomper right there, isn't it? Don't say regretful things. Oh, I'll never forget when I was a young boy and I learned what uh, profanity was. And I tried my hand at it. And I came home saying some words that I didn't know the meaning of. And uh, I was taught right quick that, that those were regretful things. Uh, Dad made me get out the concordance, the strong concordance, and he made me uh, write down every verse in the Bible that had the word tongue in it. <laughs> I got the, got the message loud and clear. But if you just think about how many times that you destroy uh, your leadership and your effectiveness as a leader by words that get out unbridled and and not mingled with grace oh beloved if we could by god's grace learn to make good decisions don't say regretful things and then thirdly don't miss opportunities don't miss the opportunities that god gives us you know that's so important the Greeks had this statue named Karyos. It was The statue actually was called Opportunity. And the statue was up on its toes like this, almost like it was running. And it had the statue had long hair in front, and in the back, its head was shaved. And there's a conversation that's written at the bottom of the statue, and the passerby asked Karyos, you know, uh, well, why are you look like that you're running? He says, because once once I get by you, I can hardly ever be caught, talking about our opportunities. And he says, why is your hair so long in the front? He says, because when you meet me, you can grab hold to me and make the most of me. And he said, well, why is your hair shorn in the back? He said, because once I get by you, you know, you can never catch me again. 
I think about when the man of God came to the king, uh, remembering he said, take these arrows and strike them on the ground. I think it was, uh, yeah, I, I think it was uh, Elisha that, that did this, or it was Elijah, it was one of them. And the king just hit him three times on the ground, and the man of God was mad at him. He said, why have you only struck the ground three times? And if you would have done it 12 times, you know, uh, God would have blessed you to uh, be victorious that many times. You know, I probably would have struck it one time myself. I can't, I can't fault him. But make the most of the opportunities that, that you have in your life. Develop self-discipline. Let's, let's look in, um, I think this is one of the most powerful things in the life of, of Joseph, especially when it comes to dealing with, with things of lust. Whatever it might be, it might not just be the lust of the flesh. Uh, there's, there's many, everybody loves something too much. And we have to learn how to have all things in moderation, that all things are lawful but not expedient to us. And I love this about Joseph. Remember when Potiphar's wife came after him? She wanted him. And she laid a trap for him. You know, because I think it's very easy for men to say, well, you know, God made me uh, this way. I can't help it that, you know, I have these feelings and, you know, uh, kind of the devil made me do it. But we see in Joseph's character, in his self-discipline, a powerful example, don't we, uh, here in the story of, of his life. Here in chapter 39, um, and, and this is really uh, so powerful. And it came to pass, verse 7, after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wardeth not what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness? And listen to what he said and sin against God. What a great example for every man, woman, and child in here. That's amazing. That, that had to be a lot of powerful grace in Joseph's life because he could have very easily compromised here, right? The master's away. Uh, God God has, has put me out here away from my family. Uh, I can't even worship God the way that I used to. So let me just take this little bit of sin for myself. These stolen waters in secret. The, the wicked heart says is pleasant, right? But he was disciplined. He, he, he weighed and he, he had a strong uh, sense of accountability uh, to God in his personal life. And that's powerful. It's powerful as a leader. People know that and sense that and, and feel that. And so then when you encourage them to that, it's powerful uh, as well. And so uh, he did this. He developed such great self-discipline. He also practiced patience. Oh, this is so important for leadership, isn't it? Can I get an amen? amen. Patient. Patient with yourself because you're going to blow it a lot of times. You're going you're gonna to mess up trying as hard and as best you can, and you're still going to mess up. And every man in here and every woman in here, you're trying as hard as you can and you still mess up? Yes. 
Yes, and you'll find that in almost every character of the Bible. I even think about Joseph and his dealings with his brothers when they came back. You know, he, how he did them dirty, how he, he made them feel like that they had stolen that stuff. Uh, that wasn't good for Joseph uh, to do. It, it was everybody could say, hey, turnabout's fair play. <laughs> Those brothers deserved a little uh, get back. But uh, that's not how the way that the Lord, and uh, later it says that Joseph wept over kind of how that he was doing. God convicted him, and he, that's when he revealed himself and started treating him a, a lot better. Uh, but you have to have patience, patience with your wife, patience with your children, patience with your church, patience with your brethren, patience with even just with people in this world. And, and I, I love how Joseph practiced that. Go with me to Genesis 40, 23. This was when he was in prison. You know, and these guys that were in dire straits, this butler and baker, they, they were in you know dire straits. And uh, they had these dreams. And Joseph told them what their, their dreams were. And there was no doubt that Joseph had hope in his heart. Hey, if some, if, if it goes good for one of these guys or the guy that it was going good, good for, he'll remember me when, you know, sometimes we think that. You scratch my back and I'll scratch yours, right? Well, Joseph scratched, but his back didn't get scratched for a long time, right? But just look at this, verse 23. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph but forgot him. I don't think that's just an add-on to the story there. I think that's a significant point that the Holy Spirit's trying to make because the point that it's trying to make is you don't just do what's right. You don't just just lead because you think that you're going to get something from other people or you're going to get something from it. Joseph didn't stop being the leader and the person that he was in prison uh, because that this didn't turn out the way that he had hoped that it was going to. He didn't do that when uh, he got what happened with Potiphar's wife, and he didn't do that in this circumstance either. But he showed great patience, didn't he? And then, oh, in Genesis 50, we have to go there, don't we? Genesis 50. <clears throat> Here it is. Uh, they're bowing down to him just like his dream said at the beginning in Genesis 50. Verse 18, his brethren also went and fell down before his face. And listen to what they said and said, Behold, we be thy what? Thy servants. Boy, come full circle, hadn't it? Isn't it amazing, the providence of God? But listen to the leader that Joseph had become. Because he had learned how to follow. He knew what it was to be a servant. He, he knew what it was to have tried to do what was right and feel bad about it or have done wrong and done and been forgiven. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? Oh, and this has got to be one of the most powerful statements in all the Bible. But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Oh, what a patient heart. The brothers thought, well, Jacob's died, and, and Joseph has just been waiting for that moment, and now he's going to let us have it. And, and he could have. 
And that they would, have, they would have deserved everything that he would have done to them. But aren't you glad that Joseph wasn't that kind of leader and that Jesus isn't kind of that, that kind of leader? Don't you, you be that kind of leader when you experience those kind of things in your life that people even have taken your good that you have, would have done and tried to make it evil. Say, but God's in control. God, and practice patience. Leadership, it's a lot like success. It's a process that takes time, but the end product is, is worth it. And remember that as a leader, especially in God's kingdom, the goal isn't that you're trying to finish first, but that you're trying to help as many people as you possibly can to make it over the finish line with you together. Oh, may the Lord bless us to, to see that. To have a, this high standard of accountability that, you know, you're not willing to trust yourself. You, you'll be accountable to others. Great, great leaders, they, they seek advice from others. Uh, and just remember that God is going to hold us responsible for ourselves. That's why this is so important. God's not going to hold me so much accountable for each of you, though I will be held accountable for my pastorship and the way that I led the flock of God, I will be accountable for that. But what I'm going to be most accountable for is my own life. When, when, I, when, when you stand in the judgment, Sister Donna, I'm not going to be standing by you. <laughs> You're going to be by yourself there. Hallelujah, you have Christ to stand with you. Amen. Same with me. We all will give our personal account. And so that's why this is so paramount. This is so important that in leadership, in following the Lord Jesus Christ, that we keep our own vineyard. But also how wonderful that we can be used to be servants in the vineyard as well. So most importantly today, beloved, I would just encourage you to continue to try to follow the Lord Jesus Christ as your leader. Uh, imitate him, his, his ways, his, his actions, and, and use that as the basis for leadership in your own life. May the Lord bless you and keep you as I pray.